Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gesso Girls. Today we're going to be talking about something that I think we can all agree that most artists, um, all artists, face at some point in some way, shape, or form, and that is creative blocks. And I think we have talked on this show before about how to get unstuck, but we haven't really talked about how to, like, what gets us stuck in the first place and what these creative blocks actually are look like. So Aaron and I were chatting before this all about, okay, like what even is a creative block? And we were kind of literally going in circles with it. And then we kind of decided that that's kind of what a creative block is. It's like a cycle. So Aaron, what do you, what do you think causes creative blocks in your opinion? Yeah. And I think this episode, all of you will be able to relate to this very much. So, um, I can definitely relate. And what I find like for myself, um, what happens to me for creative block, uh, Julian and I were talking about this earlier, is we, no matter what we do, it always ends up being re- resulting in a creative block. I think it's hard to solve for the creative block problem altogether because as a creative, we are eventually going to overwork ourselves or we're going to get too close to a piece that we didn't step away and we're struggling to figure out what the solve is. Um, I can say multiple times I'll paint something and eight hours straight or something a really long time and I didn't step away and then I step back at the end of the day and I'm like oh I'm like I'm not happy with it I don't like it like what is missing but I can't come up with what is missing and then sometimes it's like two weeks later I go back or I think my painting's finished and then two weeks later I'll look at it and be like oh this is what I need to do and it helps me solve for that problem that at the time I couldn't solve for so I think there's just I mean obviously there's a ton of different uh ways around how we get to our creative blocks and how they happen. But definitely with that cycle, uh, it's vicious and it keeps coming at us. But let's first dive into what I think most people can relate to. A lot of people relate to fatigue. Uh, Julia, do you have a time or can you relate in a way of like what kinds of fatigue uh, have affected you in a creative block? It is definitely cyclical in terms of fatigue and we kind of go round and round in circles with it. And what I feel like for me or what I've seen with a lot of creatives that kind of starts this whole cycle to begin with is we believe that our creativity is this finite resource that... You know, when the creativity strikes or the inspiration strikes, we have to like chase it down, hustle, 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 like soak all of the juice out of that like moment of inspiration um, out of fear that it's going to go away. And then what happens is, you know, those are those artists that like stay up till three in the morning with like a painting that they think is going really well. But then they find that they got burnt out or like Aaron, you just said, like you get to this place where like you're like. God, I need to step away. And then what happens is, is so you overwork yourself, your, yourself, you burn out, you step away, then you feel shame and you feel embar- like, uh, guilty and you feel like you failed in some way. Hence, the, once again, the creative block coming up for you. And then maybe you take time away, something happens where the creativity spread, the inspiration strikes again, and you're back in this cycle. And I think that a lot of different things, you know, we can point to a lot of different things that cause this cycle. Well, I think also just going back to the hustle and the fear that it's going to go away. Some of you also might relate to this in a different way that you get in the zone. You just thrive on that like burst of creativity. And maybe you don't realize it's like you think it's going to be going away or you fear it, but it's something that you just get almost you're just taken over by and you're addicted you're to addicted to it yeah because I, I know this all the time I'm like I I get in the zone and I'm not getting in the zone 
it just happens. <laughs> it's a great thing. But then sometimes when I get in the zone, I'm in the zone a little bit too long and I don't get myself breaks and that's where it can then lead to a creative block at times. Um, but yeah, when it, with that and getting in the zone, it can cause fatigue and fatigue can come in a billion different ways. Uh, you can be fatigued, which can cause a creative block in a way of repetition. Maybe you just constantly be copy and paste is how I kind of refer to it. I've done in advertising and marketing more digital design. Sometimes it's the same thing over and over again, same font, same color palette, same, you know, logo, everything. And it becomes so repetitive that that's the only way your mind's thinking. And so when you have the opportunity to think outside the box, you get stuck because it just becomes that norm. Um, but the other you time- You forget how to think outside the box. You do, you really different. do. Yeah. Because the problem solving is solved for you within that. And I think a lot of artists, um, and Julia, maybe you can speak to this a little bit with repetition because you were doing a, a, lot, a series of lots of florals and out plants and et cetera. And now you're doing more of a Chicago yeah. um, theme. Like, I'd love to hear, like, have you, did you ever experience any fatigue yeah. in either or, and did that ever cause a creative block for you or? Definitely. I definitely feel like I got to a place with my like flowers, floral things I was doing where I was like, this just feels like the same painting, you know, every single time. And I also think a lot of it with that repetition is when you do something over and over again too, it starts to feel safe, right? It's like a safe place for you. It's predictable. You know how it's going to be received. Um, and I would say a lot of that um, repetition then created fear for me. It was like, okay, so if I do something different, if I mix it up, well, what if people don't like it? What if it's bad? Like, I know this is good enough right now, right? It's good enough. Maybe it's not great. But if I change it, it could be really bad and everyone could see that I, I don't know what I'm doing or that I'm not as creative as they maybe they thought I was uh, and that I'm not successful at, at doing other things. Like how embarrassing if everyone just thinks I'm only good. It's like it's like this cycle of like self-doubt too, right? And so um, I think repetition creates fear and but also comfortability and those together mm -hmm. keep you stuck. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think just going back to self-doubt, like that repetition that keeps you keep putting that in your mind and keep putting that in your head, it's going to stick. And I think you start to convince yourself and get stuck in that space, which um, you don't want to be there. <laughs> um, it kind of takes me to like a bit of like another fatigue would be like the swirl. Uh, when you don't give yourself the proper amount of space, this I tend to see a little bit more in group collaborative creative um, areas than maybe independent. But Julia, tell me if you uh, have an example that's more of an independent. But what I've noticed, uh, the swirls, what I say is when something gets muddy and complicated and you can't figure it out, but it's such a simple solve. But too many it's people are too adding. Blurred. Yeah. It's too blurred. It's too like messy that if you just step away and I, that's what I always think. And I, I see this a lot in um, group work because there's so many people interpreting it in different ways. And sometimes you just need to step away and be like, okay, what is the goal? What is the feeling? Like just breaking it down very simple in a simple, simple, is it layman's Layman. terms? Layman term. Yeah. Layman's in, terms. Yeah. In layman's terms. Um, helps you absorb it a little bit better and not to get so crazy and uh, stuck in all the details and stuff like that. It's just make it simple, build the foundation and then figure it out from there. Yeah. You, if you don't have the foundation, good luck building the home. <laughs> oh, well, I definitely 
think that the swirl, which I actually never heard that term before. I love it. Actually, I'm <laughs> going to start using it. But the, I think that that is totally something that even if you don't have like a whole team of people you're working with, like happens to, to me all the time. If sometimes not, if, if not worse, because I'm in my own brain and I don't have anybody else to kind of like puncture Bubble that set. <laughs> yeah. and like be a devil's advocate or, you know, show me a different side of things. And so I can really spiral and it's, um, I think quite literally sometimes like paintings, I mean, there's a term, you know, paintings become muddied as well, like, you know, overworked, um, over, you know, too many colors going on, whatever. And that for sure happens. And I think it can be hard to get out of in the middle of, I think there's like, there was something I read one time that was like a painting has like the trajectory of a painting is kind of like you start out, you love it, then you mess it up and then you're at, at war with it for a little while and you kind of go back and forth. You love it. You hate it. You love it. You hate it. And then finally you get to a place and which, I mean, I think is true, but that, I have to be honest with you. Like that is not my experience with every painting. Like some paintings just like flow naturally and those are usually the best ones, but it is those that does frequently happen where you kind of are at war with the painting you got you need to step back like Aaron said and also start start something new or start over I can't tell you many times I've actually just like straight up just out of painting to the ground even though I've spent like hours on it just for the sake of being like I need a clean slate like literally need a clean slate um so I think it's important to know when it's just not worth fighting anymore um and being more having your allowing yourself to have more freedom too because I think we are we put so much pressure and are so precious about certain things that we create that we forget that a lot of creativity comes from play and comes from just sort of letting things unfold rather than like pushing and forcing it um I don't know do you I, I know that like maybe that pertains more to like a studio practice but do you feel that at all when you're doing more of like like corporate work yeah. for your clients as well. I actually would 100% agree. I think that when, which actually kind of leads me to our next section of like an environment can create, cause a creative block, but having play in a workplace and I'm not saying playing checkers and, you know, board games, although sometimes I'll have to say we used to play Django at lunch to give ourselves a little bit of a break um, from designing all day. And when you're in a more comfortable environment, uh, an open environment, I am a firm believer, like there's no bad idea. There's no stupid idea. There's no dumb questions. You want the space to be accepting because that's where you're going to be able to get better ideas when you feel, I mean, you feel safe. And I think that's as to it, but I can say whenever I lead braids brainstorms and we're working through, um, creative concepting when there's more play and less intensity involved, we always end up with a better product. Yeah. Like you can throw out those goofy ideas, even just for the sake of it being goofy. Because it gets your, yeah, yeah, it gets people to laugh. It also gets you to think in a different way. And I think that's why I love, I had someone once we were brainstorming for something and they said something super outrageous, it was not realistic. We could never use the idea. However, it was a great example of like, okay, now think of that but think of it in a way that you can do for a smaller budget or like, yeah, how can exactly. you like, morph we cannot, that? We cannot get Lady Gaga to come and wear yeah. her meat suit at, you know, our exactly. event, but, like, you know, like. but what can we do with meat to uh, get the make same it, idea? Across, exa- yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that people get nervous, especially I've noticed that when younger designers or creatives that are in the industry, they're nervous to speak up 
they're nervous to give their voice their opinion. I think that's all artists. Artists are nervous, anyone in any industry, that you're nervous to say your thoughts and opinions as if you're not valued or they're not appreciated. Yeah. We're having uh, and I think that seems st- silly or stupid. I think we yeah. so often, I mean, I think a lot of creativity is supposed to be sometimes silly, off the wall, weird, and like fun. But we, we kind of, when we put that like sort of serious lens on it, mm-hmm. um, we then really are afraid of judgment and we're afraid of, you know, just having it not be received or seen the way we want to. And I think sometimes, I mean, I think sometimes sharing your work isn't always like, there's certain stages where it's good to share your work, but I think sometimes it's good to kind of just like let yourself exist in that space where you don't feel the pressure to like create like some kind of finished, polished project and just have that be... Like, so in terms of, I mean, I know we're not going necessarily into how to get unstuck from creative blocks necessarily, kind of like roundabout way talking about it. But I think a really great way to get yourself out of this, a repetition, um, fear of judgment is to give yourself that space where like, maybe you are like writing something or you're painting something with the intention of never showing it to the world ever. Nobody's ever going to see it, throw it away, burn it, whatever. Because when you can kind of just create from that pure place of like, this means nothing other than being fun for me, I think it can be really helpful to break the cycle. Yeah, I think that's honest. That's, I went through that experience this past summer with art because I was like, I'm going to be full-time painting, da, 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 I'm going to sell my art. And it took all the fun and play away It for me. Um, not for everybody, but for me. And that's where I realized, you know, I, and I knew that with when I started doing graphic design early on, it was no longer... It was my career. Um, and not to say that your career and passions can't all be the same. I, I love my job. I love designing. I love graphic design. But it's a different kind of play and different kind of design than when I'm with my canvas and painting. Um, and I, and I've, because I was able to recognize that in advertising and marketing that it's, I enjoy what I do, but it's not my fun time. I'm not going to go into the office for fun, um, but I do enjoy it. I'm not getting up in the morning and be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go, even though going to my office is like 10 feet from my bedroom right now, <laughs> I'm working from home. But that's what I realized when I was painting and I was like seeing if people wanted to buy and I got inquiries and people were interested and then I realized my paintings were way too large to ship, but it took away that comfort for me and for me i felt less stressed and pressure ready too like i think that that is totally valid like i don't think all work is meant to be sold like i don't think all work is meant to have that kind of like label to it and i think that especially when we're starting out we're kind of just like these little like fledgling artists you know like fumbling around like that is a really critical time to not have that pressure and -hmm. just like feel you know kind of like nurture yourself a little bit so that you don't get discouraged because I think you know we were talking about this before we came on as well how the inner critic in our head is always just based on just like the world so much louder so much stronger than the inner creative because of the way our world functions right it's like it and so you have to do everything in your power to feed and to support that inner creative so that the inner critic doesn't win out and so that you can continue to create and not have it, you know, your voice and your ideas and your like play in creativity being like squashed out. And so I actually, I mean, yes, I do paint and it's my full-time job. I do, I face this a lot with like, you know, how do I, I still need to keep it fun and light for myself or else, you know, if I don't enjoy it, like I think one of our first guests yeah. <laughs> ever was like, then why are we doing, are doing it? it? Yeah. And that is so true. It's like, if I don't enjoy it, 
like why am I doing it because mm-hmm. creativity is something that is so like it's di- it's different than I think a lot of other professions like oh yeah it isn't it isn't right but like I I it's think harder to teach it's harder to teach and it's also something that like really needs to be like nourished and mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of other people can just like leave their job go on vacation and that's how they nourish themselves but for art like creativity yeah. it's a lot more like multifaceted than that and yeah. um and that is why i think burnout is such a problem is because we haven't been taught how to nourish that inner creative we've only been told to listen to the inner critic um that is true that yeah. is true and i that's uh takes me to kind of what you were saying also about not everything needs to be shared and i think as a young artist or new artist or someone returning back to uh, art, it's the process of evolving and figuring out who you are as an artist. And I can say I was going through that trying to figure out my style again because I hadn't painted for a very long time. And before it was more traditional college, I, I didn't, I ended up focusing in graphic design. So my painting, I didn't have my own collection um, or my own thesis. So it was very different for me. So I hadn't had years of schooling where I had to develop my look and feel. So I was now coming back to that in the very big, starting from square one. I'm like, okay, how can I bring my style that I've de- I've established online <laughs> in, in the web, but how can I bring it to canvas? But I also don't want to make it look like graphic design because and I can just do it on my computer. That's how it um, is, yeah. Exactly. So it's just a different medium. Um, so I think that's something that I learned was like, it doesn't have to be shared with everyone. You, you, It's kind of like, you don't need to show, what is it? You don't need to show how the sausage is made. Like, yeah, exactly. It's okay. <laughs> I, until you're ready. Yeah. Until that's like, Interesting maybe, until, you, you want to until you're the chef creating your own, you don't have to share that. And I think that's where um, roadblocks can come. And those creative blocks is maybe that you're, jumping in too fast or not giving yourself that space and the time to evolve and become the best artist you can be. And also another thing though, so kind of a little bit as a devil's advocate to what you just said, I feel like I'm still figuring it out. Like I don't have my, my style is not locked in. And, And also like when I was in art school, I felt my most confused I probably have ever felt about my Makes creativity yeah. <laughs> when I was in art school. My, I, I truly have to tell you that. Like, I felt the most insecure, the most, like, embarrassed around my art when people I was in art school. People are paid to judge it. Because people are constantly judging it. And, like, it was so difficult for me. And I, I mean, I think art school is a fantastic place. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, which, and it, it is good to share your work and it is good to get that feedback but a lot of the time I was like, man, it just, this, the work's not ready. Like it wasn't ready. And I like, you know, I, and I had to learn that. And I had to learn. I think the funny part is you have to learn when the work's not ready. And I think so often, like in this world where we are just pressured to share, 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 it's like our instinct to share it rather than to like be okay with it just sitting and like knowing that it's not ready and that we're working towards it. That being said, I do think like, it is a good practice to start sharing your work because it is a good idea to then, this is why I say it's so multifaceted, it helps you get over that fear because maybe the work eventually is ready, right? Like you finally created work that's like good, but you haven't been sharing the work. And so then when you go to share it, you're fucking terrified because like you've never (laughs) done it. And so it's like, because you've been making it in this closet. So it's this really weird, like push and pull where it's like, you know, knowing when it's a, you know, good, good to share to get, you know, get the experience of doing that and kind of develop a thicker skin. But I think there's this delicate time where uh, it's just, you know, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be private. Um, so art school truly is just what 
makes you build thick skin. It, it is. <laughs> that's, that's what they teach you. They, that, yeah. Honestly, I remember I cried after my first critique. And no one was, like, actually mean, but it was just, I've never had my art questioned. It's so vulnerable. You know, or challenged. Yeah. And it's you, vulnerable. It's, in high school, you know, you're the best. That's the one thing that, I, I mean, then we'll I'll go on. When you go to art school, you're with the best of the best. When you're in high school, you're the best. Yeah. And I think that's, it's tough. I think you're, you have all this praise and support and appreciation. Then you go to art school and obviously you and the other artists, like your classmates, you're all in it together, but in a way it's a little bit more competitive. Um, and there's one teacher who you want there fighting for their, the professor's attention and approval, but it's still that same thing is like, we're trying to that approval in order. And I think, and I, it could just be me, but I think as an artist myself, approval is so we thrive, we strive for it. Like oh, we yeah. need that. Cause it, yes. it goes back to that self doubt. You, uh, you push it away. You, when you do succeed, you're like, am I an artist? Is this, am I a professional artist? Like, do I label yeah. myself as that? Like, or am I like, wh- where do I, when does that, how do I know? hundred <laughs> percent. Do I deserve I, this money for this painting? Like, is it worth yeah. this? But it's like, it is. I can list so, I mean, before we hopped on too, I, we were, when we were talking through these different areas of being blocked or whatever, I mentioned how there have been so many times where I have had self-doubt that has led to self-sabotage where there is, you know, I'm doing well, I'm doing it. Like I'm being a full-time artist, I'm, I'm making money at it, whatever. And then something happens where like this person, you know, emails me and I was like, oh, could you change this one thing? And it's like small, something that shouldn't affect me, but I interpret it as like, I'm a bad artist, I'm terrible you know, I'm, you know, I don't deserve to be being you swirl. paid for this. I swirl, we swirl again. And then it's kind of like, you know, I think that we, we are kind of almost seeking scenarios that prove to us that we're not, that we're not supposed to be doing this, mm-hmm. that we're not good enough. We're not creative enough. And it's in a way it's kind of, cause we're afraid, right? Like, I think a lot of us are just afraid of living a lifestyle that's different than other people or we're afraid of um our own creativity and because it's just not what's commonplace Mm -hmm. so we find like situations we over exaggerate you know the other situations that really shouldn't have been something that stopped us but we let it because we needed something to stop us and sabotage us um and i think the next thing i want to like talk about that it plays into this too is how you know, Aaron, you mentioned like work environments Mm -hmm. and I, you know, obviously I think there's also an environment you can create for yourself in your studio, but, and also just the people like in your life, like just the people in your life that you choose to be around really can create a certain energy and a vibe that can also definitely contribute to a creative block. Oh, absolutely. I think it, it it can also push you out of a creative block. I think that's what's picking the right people, creative, surround yourself by creative people and creative people that aren't you want healthy, creative people. Healthy, creative people. Because like, there's a difference. Yes. <laughs> there are unhealthy, creative people. You want people, like maybe, because I've always struggled with creatives with an ego. That's always been a very difficult um, space for me. So I have to surround my place, my space with creative cheerleaders. I need a creative cheerleading community, a community that we support each, each other. We want the best for each other. We want us all to succeed. We're not competing for the same stuff. We're just rooting each other on. We're ideating together. Like, what? Why do I have to sit in my room by myself and be like, "Hmm, what should I paint today?" I can always like even my boyfriend, who's far from creative. I'll be like, "What's an artist that inspires you?" Like, name this or like musician to get ideas. Like, just like 
and throwing ideas and maybe he doesn't come up with it but it helps get the creative juices flowing and it gives me the vibe to like yeah if somebody you just like like bounce ideas yeah. off of and I also think so, you know, yeah, the, the people who I think are really awesome to help support you in your creative journey are people who are, you know, like you said, creative um, cheerleaders and people who are also, this is going to sound mean and maybe a little harsh, but or who are not stuck themselves mm-hmm. because I think, so I said this example earlier, maybe this is a little bit of a harsh example, but like if you're, you know, you're an alcoholic mm-hmm. and you're trying to get sober and you stop drinking, your drinking buddy is probably not going to be very supportive of you, right? <laughs> so like, why would you expect that another artist that's equally as stuck as you, equally like, you know, moping around and saying that they're blocked, going to be supportive of you when you get unstuck? Because mm-hmm. they want you right there with them. Mm-hmm. Misery loves company. So I think finding artists who are actively seeking to get unstuck you know who are not you know who are aware not, of this cycle yeah. who aren't like you know and yeah because we all get stuck obviously it happens but like people but don't who settle are not, like wallowing in it you know like there's yeah. always that like the, the stereotype of like the miserable artist you yeah. know the artist who's like they're made and, themselves and, miserable no. <laughs> yeah yeah no they do they do there's no reason that they need to exist there but they have the control they're, they're themselves getting, yeah there's something that is still serving them for being yep. in that space they, they are feed off of to, it yeah that cycle and um you know and then and then it comes to not just in art other areas of life too you know people who are addicted to working and like overwork themselves whatever it is um you know we might call in like quite literally people in our lives who we then can very easily blame for when we don't get our work done or don't you know, prioritize, prioritize our creativity. I can tell you I've done this more times than I care to admit. I don't feel inspired to get, be working in the studio. So I call that one friend that I know will keep me on the phone for two hours because like there's always drama or something, you know, there's there, you know, I call them like the crazy makers, like the people in your life who just, there's always something going on. And so you almost like are addicted to getting sucked into it because it's like, oh, the reason I didn't get my work done, it's not my fault. Like, you know, she called me and like talked needed to me my for help. two hours and needed my help. So like, what could I have done? Like, not my fault. And I think that we, you know, let those people in intentionally a lot of the time. Not to victim blame, but you know. No, I but we definitely do. Part of it. I think and, it, yeah. and that always leads back up to all the other stuff we talked about that causes those creative blocks. Why are you calling that person or why are you picking up that phone? There could be another reason why uh, that's a little yeah. bit deeper or darker. Um, yeah. But you, th- I mean, Avoidance, yeah, you're avoiding yeah. it. You And who knows what why you're avoiding it. It could be fear. It could be a self-doubt. It could be fatigue. You know, it could be so many things. And I think that's, as you guys all see, what you guys will all realize, it's choose your own adventure, uh, but you always lead to the same space. It tends to be, unfortunately, the creative block. But as long as you can identify it, it's going to be easier for you to um, get out of it. And that's kind of what this episode is all about is the cycle of creative blocks. And I think Julie and I even talking and prepping for the episode, we didn't even realize it was a cycle until we started talking about it. And I think that alone is a great resource and tool to understand um, that it goes away. So don't fear that your creativity is only going to be there for the next 25 minutes or a day. Sure, it may that might be a spike of it. Then you refuel and it'll come back. Yeah, so like your creativity is is limitless. Like truly it is. Like there you know, 
we as humans are capable of so much creativity and it's not something that we need to suck dry and then like drain the you know drain our cup and then wait for it to fill up again before we drain it again it's something that we have to actively work to continue to fill and nourish and not um follow that destructive cycle where we absolutely drain ourselves or let other people drain us it's um, the i'm gonna throw this one out there it's gonna be called the bottomless mimosas you gotta yeah, be a bottomless, bottomless mimosa mimos- you do not let yeah. that get to the bottom you don't let it get to the bottom <laughs> nope you don't you just keep chugging uh, so that is what you how we need to envision our creativity as uh, something that we you know actively find ways to nurture um because there's always you know public enemy number one is like that self-critic you know and it's something that is so you know easy easily fueled so we have to equally do our part to fuel our inner creative so that it can go you know can win out on that battle there with it with your inner critic and with just you know, all the other things we listed in terms of the creative block. So um, we will hope we'll do another episode. This is like us di- diving into like the root causes, which sometimes I think really is helpful, if not just even more enlightening than it's just being like, and now get out of your creative block. It's like, you know, here, <laughs> easier like, said than done. <laughs> easier said than done. So here's us explaining like what some causes might be. Um, but we'll hopefully do another episode where maybe we, we dive into just like some tactics and tricks to get out of it. Um that are like very practical and tangible too. So um, if you guys can relate to this, definitely let us know on Instagram. You can follow us at Jesso Girls. Um, we are also currently looking for guests too. So if you're an artist who wants to come on and chat with us, um, we would love that. You can email us at jessogirls at gmail.com. And Erin, anything else that we need to we need to say? That is it. Everyone be well, take care, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.